But uh, I was this. It was a summer after I graduated high school, and I was getting a summer job as like a lifeguard. And you go through like three days of all this like intense training. You know, like twelve totally. hours a day, where like you know you're standing there with like. <laughs> you know like a bunch of people that are in high school or like high school aged or just graduated and you know they're like okay go dive to the bottom of this 12 foot pool and lift this like 200 pound teacher and you know like the five foot six like girl next to me yeah. like has to go do it too i'm like she i don't mean this like in any other way besides physics right. like that's not gonna happen you know <laughs> like i i couldn't yeah. even do it you know um so i go through this whole training and then at the end um they're like cool so like you went through the training um and uh all you need you just need to pass a drug test now to like get the job i'm like what like you guys didn't say yeah right at the start (laughs) you know i was probably stoned through most of the training but um i literally uh went to my younger brother who uh hadn't started uh he was a few years younger hadn't started enjoying um the benefits of cannabis yet in his life and i was like (laughs) i need you to piss in this jar um so he did and I went to like the, you know, the place where they like, you know, do the, do the drug screening It's just a normal, like whatever, like minute clinic or whatever. And I have it in my cargo shorts in like a Tupperware container. Um, you know, I was just a brilliant 18 year old at that point. And, um, it was still pretty warm. Um, but they made me wait like 45 minutes Holy before shit. they like called me to like do it. And so I go in and I like, so I put the piss in and she's like, yeah, there's no temperature on this. And I was like, huh, interesting. She's like, yeah, so uh, we uh, can't accept it. Um, so sit here and drink water until you have to go again. And then so I did. And I don't know if they just like ignored <laughs> that I didn't do it or like didn't care because they're like, yeah, you start <laughs> wow. Like, okay. So, yeah. Man. Uh, car- cargo pocket full of piss. <laughs> always with the yeah. temperature thing right that's the that's that's how they get everybody right because you can't just like bring in some piss I'm like man i would have <laughs> mi- yeah i would have yeah i know i had a buddy who put it on like the uh, chance, dashboard you know? of his of his uh car with the heat on you know like the defrost so it was like pumping heat through that top vent by the windshield and he's like yeah that's how i warmed it up kept it <laughs> warm amazing. and i guess he passed so fuck it I think I know people use hand That's warmers. So I've heard that for for sure. Yeah. That's a thing like that you you know bring to bring but to the you, ball match. And you can't make it times. too hot either, right? So if it gets too hot, they'll know. Your that piss well. is yeah, dangerously yeah, hot. You're boiling. You need right to go now. directly to the emergency room. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they call an ambulance. <laughs> All right, hey, boys. Well, speaking of warm, I'm feeling warmed up. Warmed up enough to to make a podcast. I sure. Y'all. Well, yeah. <clears throat> that is Gearbuds podcast. I'm Henry, and I also have Dave. Hey. Hi, Dave. And we hey. also have a guest on the phone for this, the episode 86 podcast of Gearbuds Podcast, Podcast Town. And that's Pete Falkner from Black Bobbin and Planet Sexploder and Punk is Dad and oh, yeah. just like all the cool shit around town. What's up, man? <laughs> Welcome. It's really nice to be talking to humans. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hi, human. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for having me. I've uh, been a big fan for a long time and uh, I got to know Henry really well um, over the course of the past couple of years um, at Chicago Music Exchange and Dave we're just meeting but feels like we already know each other because yeah. we're talking about you know, know taking our jars of our brother's piss to test, <laughs> take drug tests and stuff like that. Um, it's a bond. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting year. How are you guys? 
Yeah. Oh, Can't man. complain, you know, man. I mean, also very stoked to be on the phone with people. Uh, as really all I get is my cat, and she is so sick of my shit right now. <laughs> Uh, especially because here's the thing, she she's very old and and great and a, and a wonderful cat, but hates guitar amps. And as you know, I'm the person a person that likes to play loud guitar amps a right. lot, especially at home when I'm here all the time. And she is not, has not been a fan of that. So I think yeah. she's very excited for the world to go back to normal, and I can just stop being loud at home all the time. Does she <laughs> does she hate the noise from the amps or as well uh, as well? Uh, I'm sorry, obviously she hates noise from the amps, but does she also hate just amps in general? Like if she sees one, she's like, oh, get that out of my sight. No, she, in fact, Dave and I were actually talking about we this just before talking we jumped it, down with yeah. you because uh, she thinks that they're all her personal scratching posts <laughs> yep. and has destroyed actually the grill on a very rare old Yamaha that like I've literally only ever seen one in my oh, life really? rare from the 60s. Yes. And it was mint. And she definitely put her mark what, on that. Uh, so I've learned now that I put blankets what, over What everything. amp is it? Yep. It's called the Yamaha TA60. It's it's Super shaped cool. like a fucking uh, it's like flat. sort of like a pyramid kind of or like a like a wedge, wow. but it's like tall. It's got the, it's a six by ten, but it there are flat planar speakers in there that are apparently made of like styrofoam or some uh-huh. shit it sounds wild and the it reverb really is good. super cool but um yeah it's just like very rare and weird and now um no longer mint <laughs> thanks sophie yeah uh so yeah. i was just thinking That's about yeah. i was looking around my uh i'm in my my basement beat lab right now and i was just looking looking around at like just the, all the stuff and also thinking i'm like what else do i have like other places and i was it's funny you brought up that yamaha i picked up this like solid state 100 watt yamaha bass head it just says bass on it um and i want to say i want to say i mean it's in my garage and i taped over the part that had the number um because i thought it was just hilarious just to have an amp that said bass on it um (laughs) or you could tape over the b and then it just says ass Ass. well that's a good call (laughs) shit all right i gotta hold on we're gonna gonna have to stop i gotta go (laughs) um but yeah i picked it up um you guys know are familiar with shake shop on fullerton um just totally uh tom um Super great dude, and he's in been in great bands for a long time. And this was probably ten years ago, but I was we were kind of getting started with Planets Exploder, and I didn't have um, a, a, a really loud, you know, amp. And this is kind of like almost allowed me like immediately to take that kind of like um, get that like solid state, like just Caius, like you know, just let let the fuzz pedals do the actual tone work, but have the, po- right. have the power yeah. the power behind. Um, it with a uh, something solid state, so I would A B that with a guitar amp. But uh, anyways, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of some like rare weird stuff I have uh, sitting around. But um, my uh, if you want to get into origin stories, I don't know if you guys have a story arc that you want to follow for this. Oh, we do. Yeah. So you know what, man, I'm super stoked that you're you're trying to dive right in. But I am gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit because we've got some some segments that we do, do get in, like to get into do before it. we do all that shit. But man, we're gonna dive. Yeah, we're so gonna deep dive into in. all that. So don't. And also, man, just like. Just keep throwing shit in there during the show. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. We're gonna do the thing like we normally do, where we where we jump into the symphony of corrections. Here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you so much for listening to this. Seriously, I mean it. We, Dave and I, both mean it. It means so much to us that mm-hmm. we, our listeners keep keep reaching out and and giving us new people to interview and 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 following us and doing all that shit. So thank you so much. It's honestly amazing for us. Um, follow you. on. Instagram at Gearbuds Podcast, Facebook, subscribe, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, blah, blah, blah. Uh, don't have anything new for GearbudsPodcast.com slash free stuff, although there is still tons of cool free stuff for you to go download there. So go check that out. 
uh let's just do you know what man i'm feeling it let's just get right into bad fucking ideas uh the sub sub segment uh, of the symphony of corrections <laughs> my, my personal favorite segment because sure. i've got four pretty solid uh screenshots of craigslist craigslist ads that i just want to quickly talk about because <laughs> they kind of some of them blew my mind one of them okay so this one uh dave can see this uh the, the headline <laughs> is just bass guitar rig complete I'm like, oh, I'm going to check that out. Obviously, maybe it'll be a sweet deal. I've bought full rigs and then flipped stuff before. And then you go to the ad, and the one and only image is just a big picture of a big old fat nug of weed. And it says drugs ads, and then there's a phone number, and then it says Coke, ice, oxy, weed, carts, yeah. tart, delivery available. And some really in, bad design. In musical instruments. Yeah. Um, hey, man, I mean, it's amazing. Everybody's, everybody's hurt Drugs right now, so, ads. Yeah. Coke, ice, oxy, weed, carts, tar, delivery of what, Okay, what's ice? Ice is like meth, I think, yeah. dude. Isn't ice crystal okay. meth? Yeah. Okay. Why would, if you're saying all the yeah. other stuff, why don't we, why we, like why, why you just say meth? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't have to get fancy and hide that Street one when you're terms. also offering oxy and coke. So Wait, I don't you, know. I won't give is, the phone number out, but you guys can try. Yeah, we won't do the phone number if anyone did wants you see to the original? It, uh, did you say the original post has says bass rig? It yeah, says like bass guitar rig complete is the is the <laughs> subject line for which, it. Which which I would bass. click on. I'd be like, oh well, I need a bass oh, and, guitar and the, rig. Oh, and then there's a little description about a, a Galleon Kruger 700 that you can get. Oh, um, but it's a good no, head. I, I I don't think I don't think I don't think that's actually part of the deal. I think it's just for the drugs, the drugs well, ads. Um, yeah, like I said, man, everyone's hurting right now. You gotta yeah. you gotta put your drug ads. Uh, look, I didn't flag the ad. I'll put it no, that way. no, let it ride. You know, I mean, shit, it's definitely uh, not a cop, right? You know, honestly, these other ones are kind of funny, but not as good as that one. The other, the only thing I just want to mention is that someone is currently selling a one by fifteen base cab, but not like a normal big one by fifteen base cab. One with like a giant, huge fucking horn on the bottom oh, that yeah. was supposedly owned by Kansas. <laughs> I don't know how you would verify that it was owned by Kansas because it doesn't like have it stenciled on there or anything. On the side or something. But yeah. I'm thinking about taking a flyer on it. I'm not gonna lie, just to uh, say like, yeah, oh yeah, check out my Kansas cab. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know how I feel about Kansas, man. They they fucking rule, dude. That uh, carry on, baby. Yeah, I mean that carry on my wayward. Especially uh, the like the guitar the player, how he's gotten like so large and also has an eye patch. Like, what happened in his dude, life? It's so fucking amazing. Real life pirate, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, as long as we're in bad fucking ideas, I just want to also quickly mention that I read this article recently. I don't know if you guys saw this, where Steve Lukather, uh, you know, he's in Toto and Foreigner and like one of the most recorded guitar players of all time, recently like gave this interview. I might have even been on a podcast where he said that using tabs, like looking up tabs online, something that I know we've all done millions of times, is like playing Guitar Hero. He said that using tabs is not at all music, and it's mm. and it's essentially like playing a video. I saw game. the I saw the quote in like a in a, yeah. In a highlight. Yeah. Hmm. Like, what? Come on. That's that. Look, to say that you have to have some some specific level of theoretical knowledge to be then you know making a viable statement with your instrument is fucking horseshit. And yeah, and I'm an actual Steve Lukather fan, and that really really annoyed me, which is why I'm also bringing it up in bad fucking ideas. Like, what? Come on, man. Yeah. I, I mean, do you think he was saying it like as a as like a put down, or was it just like a? Comment? I, I read the, I I read the whole like, I read the whole long quote, and it, it was more so in the context of saying that like, in order to be successful, you have to be able to have a certain level of theory so that you can do X and Y and have a certain amount of communication. But then he also then on to, went on to sort of 
counter contradict himself and say like, well, in Nashville, actually they use the number system, which isn't even really theory anyways, but it's really, I think what he's trying to say is that, you know, in order to be able to, to effectively be a musician, you have to communicate that musicianship somehow. And, and Mm. he's saying that theory, like saying, oh, I can just play a diminished scale here is, 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 is hugely important and you can't accomplish certain things without being able to do that. And I just, I don't know that feels, I, I know, I know enough great fucking musicians that don't know a, a single ounce of that that can, can completely contradict it for me in my mind grant granted not steve lukather level famous people but there are yeah. there have definitely been famous musicians that didn't know theory I have mean, you ever it has um, to have happened have you ever like looked at a or you know have you ever ran through a tab and like you learn the part but then you completely forget it because it's not in, in front of you anymore like I've, I've done that a million times so maybe that's kind of, of what course. he means you know like uh if, if you don't practice it without the tab then you will forget it immediately so it is kind of like you know you could play along just looking you know muscle memory and just looking at the notes uh on a but that's that dude you're just paper. describing sight reading that has nothing to do with it being right, a tab right. versus reading a, a musical notation on a staff that's the same thing yeah yeah exactly so so process. Well, so know, I guess sight I just, reading I just, would I just, also I just, be I don't know, it seems like a bad Steve Lukather right, which is is in for a treat. Which is insane. Steve Lukather is in for a treat <laughs> because little does he know your guest today is the least geary musical person you guys will ever have had on this podcast for sure. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> well, I I mean, look, I I don't I don't know if that's true because we have had some not gear people in the past, but I feel like let's set the bar as low as yeah. we can. Well, let's, let's just, just say do it. Maybe, maybe, folks would be the most disappointed with somebody <laughs> oh, you've already I, I told see. us a story that involved having a jar of piss in your pocket so i a, think a yeah, jar, I we're think off we're to a good start a jar of my brother's piss in my pocket <laughs> exactly <laughs> somebody else's piss all right well uh that's enough being negative in that <laughs> section of the show for us um also don't forget visit saveourstages.com if that's a thing you've never done before mm-hmm. uh, probably have but just need to get that out there all right we have a very special segment coming up for you right now because we didn't even really plan this folks yeah this is the, this is the time of the show and, and dave and i did zero prep work prep work before this but i'm just assuming it's going to go off perfectly well <laughs> uh this is the part of the show where i get to say dave's docs yeah it's time for dave's docs man. dave why um, is this a special dave's docs well this is a special dave's docs because uh so technically this isn't a doc but this is a highly anticipated movie that Truth. um They've been putting out previews and trailers for, so I'm like, all right, I've got to fucking see this. Um, yeah. Well, it's uh, The Sound of Metal. Did you guys see, or I should say, Pete, have you seen the ad for this movie? I just I just um, watched was, that film uh, three nights ago. Okay, great. This is, this is wonderful timing. We did not plan this. All three of us nope. watched it. I watched it last night. Because um, I figured, you know, it's... Now, here's the tricky part. Now, I was thinking about this while I was watching it. I was it. thinking about this. Are you going to say that we can't spoil stuff? I don't want to spoil it, I but I also want to be like... Maybe there's spoilers, so if you want to fast forward like five minutes, uh, now is probably the time to do so. If you're super excited about the movie, that's a good I, call because I, I do want to talk about it, and it's, I, it's hard. Let's to just talk let's about just it. not get into specific plot points. But I think the one thing that I'm guessing we're all going to say is that it was not the movie I was expecting it to be when I went into it. No, um, I want to say first of all, shout out to you know ASL and the deaf community. Much respect and love to that. I got a new oh, appreciation for that. Oh my god! Um, through seriously. this movie. Um, uh, just a couple notes I made. I thought the acting was incredible. Uh, Reese Ahmed is the main character. Yes, he's he was so good. fantastic. I thought him. he was really, really good. Yeah, he's he's gorgeous to look at. Uh, yeah, it was great. I loved watching that. Um, the cinematography was awesome. The audio, like mm. the audio production, was 
fantastic. I mean, we have to really, we have to talk it, about the audio for sure. We we have to talk about the audio, um, especially on a Gearbuds podcast. But I feel like they really gave you that sense of isolation when he you know realizes yes. that he's lost his hearing and all this. So. They so fucking, the movie, the movie is about a, the movie is about a metal drummer who yeah experiences hearing loss right mm-hmm. and and this happens at the fucking very beginning so it's yeah. like I was expecting much more of like a, here's just like a metal drummer being in a badass metal band touring and stuff and that's like what yeah. the first like five to ten minutes of the movie yeah pops. I, I was a little disappointed with like the amount of like kind of backstory or the amount of like performance footage that they could have probably thrown into it you know like you said like it was kind of all in the beginning was like the cool music scenes i guess which is kind of why i watched it because i was like oh this is about like music and all that stuff um and then it kind of turned into like a drug addiction thing too like a rehab yeah totally so that was interesting i thought that was an interesting twist i wasn't expecting um i'm I'm, like really trying not to give away too much but i also thought it kind of had a black mirror-esque feel about halfway through um or maybe towards the end a little bit Um, and i think you know i'm pretty sure riz ahmed might have even been on an episode of black mirror oh really but i know i think i I know what you're saying for sure but yeah it had this like feeling of oh shit i made the you know the technology part comes in and then it's like i made this mistake maybe um yeah i don't know uh i liked it as a film definitely but yeah it definitely wasn't i thought it was a a fucking awesome movie for sure yeah it was a it was a good movie uh for sure as a movie you know as a dave's doc maybe not you know maybe i can (laughs) bring it a little harder next week with something really good um i've got a few lined up but yeah so it's it was good. I think it's worth watching the sound of metal. Yeah, I agree, dude. I I know. So I've I've got like a pretty decent surround sound setup. I got the whole Sonos thing going. Oh, and there yeah. was something happening while I was watching it that the, I don't know how they did this, but it made it feel like there was pressure happening inside my ears. Like dude. I was also experiencing wow. what the it was fucking crazy. It, yeah. I, honestly, I like I kind of I was watch, sitting on my couch watching, and I had to like stand up. It made me so uncomfortable wow. with the sound design that I've never experienced something like that before. No kidding. Yeah, I didn't yeah. notice that because I have just a simpler setup. So I'm, I'm sure they did that. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they, you know, plug something in to do that. Yes, I mean, that's, absolutely. you know, the whole movie is, revolves around hearing and, and sensitor, you know, sensory kind of uh, feelings and stuff. So I, yeah, I, I definitely think that I want to watch it again with like a, like on headphones or something like that. Yeah. Really cool. yeah, yeah. I um I actually I wrote down like three notes while I was watching it because before when and when I te- I was it was like lunch the other day I was like Dave I'm gonna watch this movie you're like what no way that's gonna be my Dave's yeah doc. I was like that's what I'm gonna watch for Dave's doc so, uh, <laughs> so I wrote I wrote this down I I literally I, I like made lunch and then sat down to watch this movie and then. I wrote the first thing I wrote down was I've already cried twice today. <laughs> so like wasn't really planning on having a second cry already uh, for, for my lunchtime movie watching. Um, there was one there was one major thing. So I, I will say that like the gear spotting was pretty good. He had a V4 or she had uh, his bandmate played a V4. I don't know if you noticed that. I, did. I didn't um, notice that actually. But uh, he, so like I thought that 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 whole thing was actually pretty cool and accurate the way that they sort of portrayed playing in these like little clubs or whatever but then there was one thing that jumped out as like the least uh the least accurate rock and roll thing i like there was i don't know what happened for some point at some point in the movie he had to like reach into his pocket to pull out his car keys and i was like i've never met a fucking touring musician in my life that wouldn't have had his car keys carabinered onto his goddamn belt pocket yeah right (laughs) come on next is his 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 laminate or whatever you've got that on your belt like you don't have your car keys in your pocket major major uh, issue with that um Um, but no that that was really honestly literally the only problem i had with the movie what did you think about the uh you know how he has this airstream that he like lives in. Oh, what did you God. think about the giant mixing board in there? 
Oh well, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was cool, but it was kind of like have a different setup. They're, that was yeah, part of the reception, though. Like, they're like this, like they're you know this sort of grungy sort of I get it, yeah, like, thing. They're not going to have yeah, like would, a fucking Apollo rack set up in there, right? No, I would call them. I would say like, I mean, that just took me back to you know standing on the floor like holding a stack of lightning bolts amps, oh making my sure God, they didn't yeah. fall over. <laughs> I mean, there was it was. I wouldn't even really call them metal, and that's what I would say. Like they were for sure just like a noise yeah. like crust band, you know. And um and I I would I noticed too, which I appreciated, like um the female. I can't remember. I don't, sorry, I don't know her the actress's yeah. name. Um, but um she had a table with like mixer and pedals yep. set up, you know, and that was very much. And that was like. Um, I appreciated that. And Dave, to your point, like, yeah, I could have probably used some more performance scenes and you never know what they like left on the cutting room floor. But yeah. I also appreciate how they didn't. I, oh, it's my pet peeve of all music movies, which I'm sure you guys probably agree with, too, is just like the overblown like production of like a f- of a manufactured crowd live Dude. scene it's yeah. just it's impossible to not make it look fucking cheap. <laughs> yeah right. we were yeah. just yeah. like weren't were we just talking about a uh, school of rock and they had the battle of the bands at like one in the afternoon yeah like, it was like downtown. 11 a.m and, a and it's like there's like two thousand people there like going crazy <laughs> yeah see i mean if, uh, for a movie like school of rock i give them a pass because it's like, well, it's kids fun, and, like yeah. you know it's it's supposed to be a little tongue-in-cheek for sure but it's like I don't know. What, what am I thinking of off the top of my head? Something like well, whatever Mark Wahlberg was in. Oh, you know, uh, just Rockstar. Like, Rockstar. The worst. The worst. That movie's Rockstar, awesome. The worst version. <laughs> it's so the, hilarious. The, exactly. The, the worst and best versions of that shit. Right? <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, it was super interesting. So as far as like the hearing aspect of that film, I thought they did a fantastic oh job God, yes. of um, all the sound technology for sure. My son is four and actually is deaf in his right ear. Oh, wow. He was just born that way. Um, we went through the whole process of figuring out if he qualified for the cochlear mm-hmm. implants, which is part of that part of well, no spoilers, right. but it's part of that mm-hmm. story. Yeah. arc. Um, um, and it's actually, you know, one of the things that they tell you, which I thought the movie did a really good job of kind of portraying that, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of, the, the his sort of like mentor at that works at the facility that he ends up going to for treatment like points at his head and says you know like it's about fixing this not about it's about fixing your your, yes. your head not fixing exactly. your, your ear right yeah, or your, your brain good. or your, yeah. essentially fixing your outlook instead of your Absolutely. hearing right um but yeah that is true that you know um and this isn't a spoiler by any means at all too if anybody knows about any mm-hmm. of this stuff but um uh, one of the things they do with young kids is they don't they actually try not to do any sort of intervention um, until that kid can vocalize what it sounds like because mm. my son who will go his whole life hearing in mono out of his left ear um, if all of a sudden at some age he starts hearing out of his right ear due to any sort of technology it could it totally throws off exactly. your equilibrium uh. um, it, t- it sounds super you know it could do more harm than good um, so yeah, not to like go on and no, on no, that, it's really interesting. Was, I, ju- I, th- I thought it did a really, they did a really good like and like respectful job of of that. Um, they absolutely did. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I thought yeah. it was probably, I mean, probably the best new film I saw in 2020. Yeah, just uh, absolutely not, <laughs> not the Dave's doc that I had necessarily expected. Or by, by the way, those sort of presented <laughs> to me on Amazon. Like even even the image was him playing drums, and it's like that's. I mean, yeah, you the see whole trailer like is thirty like seconds in the whole out. movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's yep. that's literally the amount of like playing that he does in the movie is like from the trailer, but um so like, well, cool. I, I will say that, uh, one last thing about it, he did have some fucking badass band tees in the and yeah. in fact like all of the all of the outfits were great. The jism shirt. Uh, yep, uh, uh, but then he, the my favorite one which actually What about the ink? Yeah. Well, I oh, was going to say that 
Well, I was going to mention the uh, I, I God, I, I I'm going to totally butcher the pronunciation of it. The Einsturzende Neubauten um, shirt that he had on. Uh, okay. That was the, I was like, holy shit! I've been I like. I've I've seen that name so many times throughout my life, but like just recently, the past several months, finally got into them for the first time, and they've become sort of like one of my current favorite bands, even though they've oh, been wow. around since 1980. Uh, so I was like, oh, that is that is perfect, and also uh, might be the perfect transition into this week's Hank hits. Let's do which, it. Um, is is me having Thank having you. a big cop out here because all I want to do here is just call further attention to the fact that I have released my top 25 records of 2020 and that playlist uh, is available for you so I want the world to just spend this week if you're if you're looking for some recommendations take that as my recommendation yeah top 25 the playlist has one track from each of the 25 my top oh, cool. 25 favorite records of did the you year pick in out order. Is that on each track like you were like this on spotify? the best one on the record and on stuff? spotify so i i i didn't necessarily choose what I thought was the best song on the record i, I chose what I thought was the most representative song of the record cool. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like uh there were a couple there well and also someone was asking me about it and and I, like i probably if i was making my top 25 favorite songs of 2020 it would have been like the entire idols record and then you know 13 other songs this is just one song from each of my top 25 favorite records so okay there's, there's that but yeah we'll we'll repost that it's on it's on yeah. gearwoodspodcast.com we'll put it on the stuff for more people to check out awesome dude love it yeah on the old Spotify. All right. Well, perfect. That's enough about us. Let's get a little more Let's into, get into it. The way that uh, we like to do that is through a little segment called a couple two tree randos where we ask you a couple two tree rando questions. So uh, first one, if you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, living or dead, regardless of your skill or theirs, who would that be and why? God, that's a great mm. question. Hmm. Chew on it. Let it sink in a little bit on you. You know, I think um, I'm actually going to go in. Um, my my actual skill set is going to play okay. into this. I am going to say for the time period and to be a witness to that, I'm going to say Nick Oliveri. Oh, um, yes. In the songs for yes. the past. Yes. God damn oh. it. Uh, with the rest of the band being... Troy Van Leeuwen, new to the mm-hmm. band, and obviously Dave Grohl recording yeah. the album and then playing drums, and obviously um, one of the most underrated, um, uh, or maybe not underrated, but underexposed versions of um, a lot of those recordings is Mark Lanigan's vocals. Love because, Mark Lanigan's vocals. Oh. Because it's like almost another bass, and like you're like, where is that Shit. like feet? It's not even where's that sound coming from. It's like where's that feeling coming from? Oh. You know, and, and he actually. I'm a big fan of headphone records, mm-hmm. you know, like I love stuff that like, you know, the third verse, like some guitar pops yeah. up out of nowhere that you weren't expecting right. and it's a completely different tone. And then you're like, I'm so glad that I was like listening to this and just listening to it, not like putting it on in the background while I make dinner or something like that, you know, which uh, stuff has that place too, yes. of course. But And, and um, let's be clear, you want to swap places with him just in the band, not um, in the for the reasons that got him kicked out of the band right after that. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah, going to do any of that. Strict- no, no. I mean, we'll see how the rest of this year goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's 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 an interesting time to uh, to be. I mean, lock inside. You could always, if there was a time to lock yourself inside your house with like you know semi-automatic rifles while the SWAT team is like it's during quarantine. Right. I guess, now's, right? now's the time, dude. That that might be That's a great look. Answer, no judgment on any of our previous guests. That might be my favorite answer. Yeah, for purely selfish reasons about how much I love that record and that band. I am. So. 
right now I'm battling in my head like uh, I want to buy it on vinyl because I don't own it yet and um, I've been oh, listening to it nonstop up, on Spotify. It's, it's well, here's expensive. the thing: do I get? I know. Do I get just like a repress, which is like thirty bucks, or mm. do I go for like a limited edition, you know, press, which is like or, you know, original presses are over a hundred? So yeah, that's, yeah, the that's, original that's the reason ones, I don't have one. There are some cool like limited editions that they release too, which are really sweet. Um, I think there's one on like for like fifty bucks right now on eBay, so I might jump on that. Dude, do it, and I'll steal it from you. All right, right. beautiful. Let's go to the next one. Uh, And this is in celebration of Hanukkah having recently started, and Christmas is is coming up uh, quickly, which is fucking crazy, by the way. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it's almost Christmas. Um, Do you have a most memorable Christmas gear gift? Looking at it right now, it is the first guitar, my guitar, that that I was gifted in third grade. It is a Fender Duosonic. Um, would have had to have been 92 or 3, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. Um, Prime Nirvana times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, um, it's, uh, it's just got two single coil pickups. Um, it's a short scale. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. You know, they were, um, they were, um, I, you know, that model has been discontinued and, you know, and brought back, you know, or not discontinued, but, you know, like they've taken years sure. from making it or whatever. They were like, like a that. student model when they first came out, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this is this is that this is that model. Um, and my dad was a Fender guy. And so he had one. He would like rotate out um, uh, guitars, but he had a a strat and so like we he wanted me to have a fender too and uh i was you know obsessed with you know kurt cobain and yeah, Billy joe armstrong perfect. and 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 billy corgan you know i mean like the stickers on my um on my window that i eventually moved over to this guitar but i actually um because i knew my dad was going to be mad because i stickered <laughs> uh, billy joe yeah. style um I, I i didn't actually use the sticker sticky material i put scotch tape on the back of the stickers wow. smart, smart. Uh, for like a whole for like the entire you know guitar um and uh that's you know that's how i uh that's how i got started you know i, I just you know um just, he showed me he showed me brain stew or and probably glycerine yeah or something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> hell yeah dude <laughs> and uh yeah i remember and once you know um, brain stew I then you also know uh 25 or 6 to 4 Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and so I came, I knew, I kind of like had this inkling that I was getting it and it was right around the age where like, you know, uh, I won't let my kids listen to this, but that like, I, 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 I uh, you learned some to realize that <laughs> there's some truths that maybe, maybe Santa Claus had some helpers <laughs> that lived in my house, you know? Um, and so anyways, yeah, I mean, there's, there's video of it and oh, it's just, oh, wow. Amazing, that's you know? cool. It's a, uh, That'll never, uh, dude. You gotta post that shit. Put it on like Instagram or something. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll have to find out. I'm sure my mom yeah. has it like queued up, ready exactly. to go. You know, every Christmas. I've already had Don't it digitally come certified. Over and watch home videos. Yeah. So yeah, that would be that Beautiful. quick, easy. That's answer a cool first I, guitar, uh, man. Great one. Yeah, really, really cool. And it's and yeah. I love that you have it. That's 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 the yeah. important thing. All right. So speaking of taking a trip in time, if you had a time machine, where would you go? And if applicable, what gear would you buy? Man, this is probably like really relevant and informed right now, um, because of how not nice <laughs> the world it's is. An, it's an escapist <laughs> fantasy um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's totally, totally. I might have a different answer, like in a different yeah. year, but I would, I would, man, I don't know. Like, I, I, I grew up in a Beatles house, and to, um, you know, go like see to be 
a teenager and see um, you know the Beatles playing tiny clubs in Hamburg oh, man. And, and all that That'd stuff. Um, even even like pre Ringo, you know, yeah. like just just to just you know um, be that and and you know. I would I would have to say that, um, and I think you know maybe a lot of folks have like oh like you know the the, the Beatles the Beatles the Beatles and you know like Sgt. Pepper and all that mm-hmm. stuff and yeah that'd be cool but the early like, early shit um, just when they were just a club mm-hmm. band and you know I think in my opinion one of the first punk bands I'll yeah. actually I'll stand by that Ooh, um, bold statement as, dropping bombs right here yeah. I'm not gonna yeah, disagree I mean, man whatever. I'm not gonna disagree with that at all come at me. <laughs> um, Come at me and argue about it because I'm really not that passionate about it. <laughs> just how I, <laughs> that's the best, you know, just starting an argument yeah, with somebody like, yeah, that you're I actually you're not right. that you're not that invested in, right? Not ready to die. <laughs> just watching, on this them hill. Get, yeah. watching them get work, worked up, but uh, yeah, I'd have to say that. Um, that and what would you get? What, yeah, what gear are you looking at? That. So that's like yeah. uh, early '60s, late, maybe something. late '50s. Yeah, um, man. Oh, that's so tough. I honestly, my first. Um, uh, I would want like you know one of the Voxes they were playing, yeah, you know yeah. the guitar. the The guitar is almost irrelevant, um, not really actually, but like for me anyway, like um, just to you know for me like I'm looking at my a rack of guitars right now, and sometimes when I'm writing and trying to come up with stuff, I will grab something that I haven't played in a mm-hmm. long time, and you guys know this. Maybe something comes out of that instrument because you're, it's a different instrument. It feels right? different, yeah. Um, but for the most part, I think that regardless of the guitar or even amp that I'm playing, um, it's going to sound like me playing it. Um, so I think just, you know, being able to have like one of those early Voxes and just like knowing that they have the potential and like I'd be cheating, right? Because I'd be like knowing the knowledge that I have from right, the future, right, right. knowing that like, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, you're actually supposed to turn this up all the way and it's going to sound yeah, amazing yeah. <laughs> as well. So, yeah, a little bit of cheating That's probably. Awesome. Oh, can I play it? Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Last one uh, from this particular segment here is a question from our most recent guest, uh, Bethany Thomas BT. If you haven't listened to that episode, which I guess is 84 now, yeah, go back episodes. and listen to that because um, it was fucking awesome. But her question for you is what song would you play for your mom slash mother figure? Because she didn't know, you know, how that would work out for the next guest would be. But what song would you play for your mom? Like, Play it myself yeah. or like play yeah, it on like the radio. Yeah, like play it. Play yourself. Hmm, that's tough. I've played a lot. I've by way of my mom coming to my shows over the year, I, I have played quite yeah. a few songs. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually okay. Quick answer because I did um, dedicate um, "Paranoid," uh, not lyrically, uh, but uh, musically. Uh, Black Sabbath. <laughs> uh, Paranoid. Black Sabbath. Sabbath. Paranoid. Okay. To my mom, we played a show. A few months ago, or beginning of October, Shelby, my friend, uh, who we'll talk about yes. for sure, um, put we he and I put a band together um, uh, just to play outside at um, Fitzgerald's uh, in Berlin. Oh, right on. They did music this summer on mm-hmm. a patio, um, and it was outdoors, and they set up a stage and everything, and that was the closest thing to anybody that was going to get uh, to live music this year, which God bless them for doing it, and, you know, they had their chairs spaced out and doing you know masks were required and you know um my really great friend will duncan shout out will came up the hospitality ranks with him um he bought it in march like the day before shutdown the you know 
poor guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's done a fantastic job uh, keeping it alive, and they'll be fine. They'll be great. Um, but anyways, I did, my mom was there, and I in high school, I thought nobody was home, and I got a new stereo system, uh, probably from, like, Target or something, and, you know, just one of those ones that has, like, two tape cassettes and a CD, a three-CD oh, changer, yeah. you know. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> Spins around uh, on the platter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I had my giant books of CDs. Um, and so uh, I just had paranoid cranked just so loud and my door was closed and my mom burst in and I thought she was going to be like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Um, and she just started singing along because she's like, it turns out after the song and she's like, you know, I saw, I saw, no way. which was like, you know, a big surprise. Um, mom's cool. And, what? Uh, mom's cool as shit, dude. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know, but don't do drugs. Um, <laughs> drugs. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, that song I would dedicate, awesome. I, I did, you I did. did like a couple of, a couple months That's ago, awesome. I dedicated that That's song. That's so Perfect cool. Perfect answer. <laughs> now, uh, last one, what question should we ask? our next guest and you don't get to know anything about that person other than they're also in the music world oh okay this just popped into my head and i gotta Perfect. say it's an amazing question Let's do it i just thought of this right now um of your top three albums of all time pick one of them to have never been made and then what are the historical ramifications of that record never Holy being wow. shit. That's you just thought of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it right? Just po- what? It ju- it just popped wow, into my head. Wow, man. That's deep, dude. <sighs> Holy crap. I think we're going to have to dedicate like a whole month worth of episodes to that question. Yeah, Jesus. that's like a whole episode <laughs> at least. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> Diving deep, exploring our innermost thoughts and feelings on that. One. That's a great question, dude. Thank you. Well, you can you can you can be selfish with it too. It's like you know, if if, if this right. if, if this Blink One Eighty Two record was never made, we'd have a lot less shitty band. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a that's a great point. I would also put Tool, all of Tool's cat records in that category. Like, while I think that they're fantastic, <laughs> so much so horrible music has been made in their name. Fair yeah. enough. I think. I think yeah, that's the real twist wow, on the question. You right? gotta like, go that you, way. you can get rid of you can get rid of something, but what what happened because you the got butterfly rid of that, effect. Some back to the future yeah. style shit. Wow, Damn, but it's got to be one of your top three favorite records too. That's yeah, you have to you have to love it, too. dude. That's like some saw like torture movie shit. Yeah, like, that's I, like, I, I don't, man, I don't that's know. Deep on so many levels. <laughs> wow. man, I like that a lot. Because then I'm I'm like yeah. tempted to lie about what my th- three favorite records are of all yeah. time, so I don't have to sacrifice one of them. Right. We're gonna like hold the Vanga to Boys. Oh, totally! I throw down hard on that Vanga Boys record. The Vanga so, like, Boys. That's the one I'm gonna have to. <laughs> that's get my rid definitely of my here. top three, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Oh man! All right, sick. Let's uh, let's just keep talking talking Pete here. So you already started talking a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up, man? I grew up in the uh, northwest suburbs, mostly of Illinois. A uh, place called Arlington Heights. There's a racetrack. Mm-hmm. There is. Um, Good gambling and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's also there's, a there's guitar a center out there, and sh- yeah, there is that le- that guitar center right is, off the uh, exit. Been there a really long time. Fun, yep, fun exactly. fact: That's I where tried out for uh, Limp Biscuit at that guitar center. What, Henry? I was Henry. I was there that night, and I did the same. Uh, you guys you- tried out for Limp Biscuit, dude. I've I've I told this story I'm, at least like three times on this podcast. You have? Yes. Wow. Okay. I literally. Went on the tour bus and had Fred Durst sign my Ibanez guitar hoodie, and uh, I didn't actually get to actually play, but I was in line. That's amazing. And then uh, they cut it off, so they let people like go in and meet them. And he signed it, and uh, I handed him my band Mercurials demo, and I came home and told my parents that I was a professional musician <laughs> because I gave my CD, to, I gave my demo to Fred Durst. Dude. <laughs> 
That is amazing that you. I got to. I got to actually get to play. Yeah. How old? I see. That's that's the that's the the sort of punchline of the story is that so I wait in line all fucking day. My parents let me take the day off of school, which is like super weird that they even let me do that with two of my buddies and then play. And and if if you remember, it was a racket because you had to play an original song and they videoed oh. it and you gave away all the rights to it so it was basically a way for them just like steal a bunch steal of your music songs. from people <laughs> and then hire the and then hire the dude from sponge i believe afterwards anyway um but so okay so i do the thing and i had like look i wasn't gonna be a limp biscuit i was probably like sort of like chubby football body 17 year old whatever um but yeah, i i like yeah, i was i, I was pretty 15. good you know i was a pretty good guitar player so like i there i was like i'd make i go through the thing and you had to like sign something and it said like okay now that you're gonna do this you're gonna go in the room with fred and blah 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 and so uh go to sign the thing i remember he had a fucking weird goofy he had like a purple purple fuzzy hat on and I go to sign the thing, and the first line was, you are uh, 18 years of age or older. And I was like, oh, I just wasted my entire fucking day. And oh, I'm 17 no. years old. So then I just turned around and left and went home. And that was the end of the no. story. So you didn't even get to no, play? No, I played. I made it past the first round. I made it to like the second round where oh, I and like, then you sign away sign my rights waiver. to shit. And I couldn't even – the contract said you had to be 18 years of age. And I was Wow. Yeah, that would have been nice so. to know. What did you uh, – do you remember what you oh, played? Oh, my God, no. Dude, absolutely not. Not even close. I, I do remember that I still had to go to work. I was working at a, a beef place on Western called Nello's, and I had to go like from the Fred Durst <laughs> Limp Bizkit tryout straight to my beef job at fucking Nello's That's right, right funny, after dude. that. Yeah. And I was wow. very That's what you call going beef to beef. <laughs> <laughs> but fun fact, uh, Fred Durst has liked and commented on a GearBuds uh, posting before, yep. so you know, big huge fan of the show. Yeah. Really? Shout out. Uh, not, not, not really, but he the, the first part is true. Man, I, I don't know why I've been thinking about this lately, probably just because it's been an Instagram, and I, I follow Wes Borland, who's like yeah. a really, 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 really nice yeah. guy, really, really nice guy, um, and uh, he's got great gear, and even I think I think because I read this thing the other day, because it was the 20th anniversary of that Chocolate Starfish Oh, album. nice. And, and uh, you know, I think th- there was some quote where, like, yeah, maybe it was from Fred, maybe it was from Wes, that it was just like... How could you not have hated us? How could you not be have gotten sick of us? Like we were so yeah. overexposed, and like you know, it, all this money behind us, record labels. It was the peak of MTV videos at that it time. It was the perfect just, uh, stars be- align. Like everything just hit right. At exactly. Once, yeah. it, it, it was like it was just being shoved down everybody's throat. You know, um, and he, they were like, and I was like, man, in the year 2020 is like our bar solo because of like who became president and like you know the culture that like pervades this country like is fred durst not a piece of shit (laughs) dude totally no i've i've had sort of a reckoning with that as well i mean look i i do still have my compact disc copy of three dollar bill y'all like i'm not gonna pretend like i didn't love that album when it came out too so Uh, i i literally listened to that yesterday dude i'm not kidding you (laughs) holy shit i'm not kidding you guys this is like i feel high right now because we're talking about this how did counter how did counterfeit (laughs) It holds up, bro. I mean, it, it it gets really annoying. Like, I think about halfway through the record, I was like, all right, I can't listen to this anymore. Counterfeit is the yeah. fucking jam, dude. Pollution? I, okay. I, rem- I learned about... Do you guys remember? I was like... One of the public access channels when we were kids would play weird music videos, and I saw the music video for... It was either that or Sour. I don't remember, but that was like... The, my ex- exposure to it, I was like, "What is this craziness?" And the same it was thing, like a new I, I think. Kind of thing. I think I was at Target with my mom, and I was like, "That's the CD that I want." Like, I don't, I don't. It's such a strange thing, but I st- like I fucking li- listened the the shit out of that album when it came yeah. out. 
I used to draw the character on the uh, on the cover of the record. You know, the guy with the hat and like it looks like spray paint. <laughs> all right. Well, all um, so yeah. all of this because Pete grew up in Arlington Heights. So yes. great. Yeah. <laughs> Back to I mean, Pete. <laughs> it's listen. Arlington Heights isn't going to get more um, interesting than that road that uh. we just went down. So, you know, we're good. <laughs> well, what was your, so your, was Mer- Mercurial your first band? Uh no. I, well, I mean, so I had uh, the first time I probably played with like a group. Uh, two other guys. We played uh, our sixth grade talent show. Um, I played bass, and my friend played guitar, and we had a drummer, and we played uh, "Paper Lanterns" by Green Day off of Thousand Thirty Nine Smooth Cut. Deep cut. Nice. Because because they played that at Woodstock, and that was the song that they had the mud fight. Right. Oh, famous yes. mud fight. Yep. And so we were like, oh, well, you know, at that point, Green Day had, Insomniac was out, but, um, you know, so you could buy, obviously everybody had Dookie, Mm -hmm. um, and then we're like, we went back and found, you know, um, Kerplunk and and their first album uh, on uh, Lookout Records, because Best Buy stocked it, because, you know, I'm sure they got, um, you know, bought by what is it, Reprise or whatever, like the major distribution, whatever it was. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So yeah, we did that, and then um, in seventh grade we did a same dude, just a guitar duo. We did a surf medley. We did um, uh, Miserloo, uh, Walk Don't Run, and um, oh, what's the one? Oh, is that Walk Don't Run? Oh, okay. So, so what's the? Oh yeah. You know, that's I don't know, but I totally can play all of these songs. It's so weird. I'm having these like twenty year old memories right now. It's so God, it's freaking me out. It it's by the Ventures. Um. So, anyways, yeah, I kept playing with those dudes, and you know, eventually, uh, we you know, uh, moved more towards like a uh. As you do in the year 2000 when you're in eighth grade, you know, like a, a Deftones, Incubus, Corn yep. <laughs> vibe, right? Or in 2020 when you're 36, because I'd probably do that. Because I listened to those also yesterday. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> hey, I've seen I mean, Deftones. Their new record has been on the top of I've of top lit record list of this year. It didn't make my top 25, but That's I've true. seen that record on, yeah. on, on, on lists. Hell yeah. I'm uh I'm conflicted about Deftones. I'll throw some other heat out. Oh, there Ste- is that. it Stephen Carpenter being a weird flat earther anti-vaxer? Oh, that's, that just that's came what, up. Uh, yeah, that's right. That just came out. So that's stupid. Yep. Number one, um, but number two, I feel like sonically they get a lot of credit as they should because they eventually distanced themselves and made a conscious decision not to you know keep touring with Corn and Stain totally. and you know. Right those bands and that scene but at the same time i feel like before i even hear a record and can and can judge it like as being new or whatever um they're like you know it's they're taking these sonic risks and this and this and that and you know what like i will say this like i don't think steph carpenter's tone has changed in 20 years um so from a guitar playing standpoint i'd I get annoyed with that, and from a songwriting aspect, I appreciate it. I think um, he, I'm pretty sure he's I the kind of dude. Like, I think he actually does still use like the same rack line six pod kind of thing. Like, I think he literally right. does have the same guitar sound. Um, but as far as a heavy guitar sound, like it's 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 uh, I'm over it. Um, except for uh, like when what's that record, Diamond Eyes, where it's like okay, now he's got like a nine string, and they they had kind of put out a few like 
so-so mm-hmm. things in between mm. White Pony and, and that Diamond Eyes record. So I, I bookend with uh, um, White Pony, then Diamond Eyes. And then the new record's cool, but again, it's like I would like to know what Chino is saying once in yeah. a while. Um, Let me know those lyrics. It's hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think, I, th- I mean, it's a good yeah, record. Dude. I, 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 I listened to it. Um, I haven't listened to it with like headphones or anything. So did like you that. ever get um, to the, were you ever, because I, I mean, when I first met you before CME, you know, you were well established in the in the in the booking and sort of a venue running worlds. Like, uh, were you? Uh, did you? Were you? Did you do the touring musician thing? Like, was that ever something you were we were trying to do? Uh, short answer, no. Longer answer, um, I was playing drums in a band called Bear Mutants, which uh, was uh, a band with uh, this guy Jared Gummery, who was the frontman for the Chicago band The Ponies. Oh, cool! Yeah, I used to play um, The Ponies back in the day. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome band and jared's a great musician and he put a new band together uh, 2011 or so maybe maybe 2010 and i was working at the empty bottle and he was like you want to play drums i was like sure um and so i drummed on one one record that was put out and we just did like a a one week jaunt to uh in like a spring thing we like you know hit like detroit and then pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and then brooklyn and new york and columbus on the way back and i was terrible at it i like Granted, I was, like, getting married in a month, and, you know, I, I was, like, trying to do this kind of um, stressful job that I'd kind of taken over as, like, you know, um, the main manager at the Empty Bottle. Um, and my dad was sick, and it was just, like, I, all yeah. that compounded into me being, like, gone and getting wasted, like, every night af- before and after the show right. and, like, you know, like, sleeping on the floor, and I ended up getting, like, the flu, like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, like, being having to be, like, essentially propped up to, like, I also, like, didn't know I was having panic attacks but was having panic attacks, um, and I was terrible at it. And so the long answer is... Uh, I working in the music industry and the live music scene, especially in seeing the level of, you know, bands coming through the empty bottle. Like I had a, I had a really great exposure to what it took to actually like be a working touring, like that's your job, professional musician. Um, and, uh, I was like, I'm good. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, it it wasn't going to be conducive to, um, other things that I wanted to do. Um, and I respect the shit out of anybody that does it or tries to do it or has succeeded at it or failed at it, you know, because, um, it, it's a fun thing, but it's, it's really, real work, really a tough yeah. thing. Yeah. It's real work. Well, um, and to that so, point. You know, so getting, I guess that, like we have a lot of, a lot of, this is, you know, I, I think this is the sort of podcast that is sort of tailored to do well in a tour van, for instance. So we have a lot of touring musicians and people that listen to this. And I think it'd be valuable for our listeners. If you had, I don't know. Do you ha- did you notice anything among the the folks that you would say were good at it? The people that were good at touring and being on the road and being road dogs and making money at it? Did, was there anything? Were there any sort of like commonalities or, or common mm. themes that you noticed that might you might want to bestow upon other touring musicians that are listening to this? Yeah, um, the people that I got to know over the years, uh, whether they were people in bands that you know started another band and you know uh became more successful or they were crew members who you know were one year they're coming through as a guitar tech for you know somebody at the bottle which was actually pretty rare um and then the next year you know i saw them at you know thalia hall and they were full-on tour manager you know um those folks that um treated it like work um uh, to a point of like being very serious about not starting partying to a certain time or didn't party Mm -hmm. at all um 
treated their the bands they were working with like actual clients um treated it like um you know like every gig is it could be a stepping stone to another gig right. Mm. right um and the most important part of that is treating the people that you're working with um even if you're a musician um with respect um there's a really great Henry Rollins quote um, that is like, um, basically, I, I'm gonna paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me. But when he played at Thalia Hall, he did a speaking tour, and he we have we have that we we had that posted on the side of the stage. Um, it's his quote about like how um, the stagehands should have your job and your paycheck, and you should have theirs. Basically, like none yeah. of the shit matters. Wow. None, none of the shit happens without the people who show up and 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 make it happen right not just it's basically it was like check your ego at the fucking stage door and we 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 didn't have it like visible it wasn't like the 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 rudy we actually had it as more of a reminder to ourselves yeah. to be like hey we need to be we need to we need to uphold this end of the thing too right um my uh good friend and and the head of production over there his name is tim shane uh and uh he he was like posted, and Henry saw it, and he was like, "Thank you for having this posted, because oh, wow. uh, it's really important." Um, and you know, on the flip side, there's plenty of people who oh, you know don't treat people Where'd nicely, you and you know, like um, they just uh, whether they're not treating the people they're working with with kindness and respect, or they're not even treating themselves with mm-hmm. respect. You know, folks that have um, they they treat they treat it like one big party and don't take it like you know, like it's their job to put on a good show mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, as well too. And I, uh, that's a little bit weighted. I don't want to say like you, you have to treat it like a business and not have any fun. Cause by nature of it, it is yeah, fun totally. and that's what you're doing. So I don't want to make it seem like, yeah, no, you just have to like do this and like it's work, but it's fucking work. And the people that have that, let's say have that balance between fun and work, um, are the ones that are going to, you know, barring any fucking further pandemics gonna be able to make it out yeah that's right that's great man uh how did you i mean how did you even get started with the whole empty bottle thing i mean it's funny too i think and so back in the day uh, i used to have a segment called the riff library which was like kind of stupid because i was trying to read a book every week and it was just too much but one of the books (laughs) that i actually talked about was the empty bottle book yeah and 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 you are mentioned a a few times in there so like what tell tell us a little bit more about that i mean anybody who listens to the show knows how important the empty bottle is to me just i i live close to it and it's my favorite basically place to be so like i want to know some more stuff about it what did you when did you get started there how did that all go down go down for you yeah I uh, I was going to school at Columbia College. I was uh, finishing up a music business with a focus in artist management degree, which at the time, you know, I don't know what that meant, um, but it definitely meant uh, to get out there and start doing stuff because you don't graduate with a degree like that and then, like, get a job. A, a nine-to-five office that, job right? you know? of some sort, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I... Um, I was working at actually this place called the Lakeshore Theater, which I think it's a Laugh Factory now. It's in like Boys Town. Oh yeah, Broadway, totally. Yeah. yeah, of course. Broadway in Belmont, and um, at the time, Empty Bottle was presenting shows there. Like you know, they like would do either comedy stuff there or um, random random shows there. Uh, and I was working there. My friend uh, that I went to Columbia with, I got like an internship slash part time job there, just like you know, helping run operations and stuff. And that was a lot of comedy. Um, and at the time, you know, I was probably like 22 or something like that. And um, one day, you know, um, Bruce is the owner of the Empty Bottle, and they were doing a show there. And 
Um, I just walked up to him and was like, "Hey, like I I like doing music <laughs> more. Like, can I can I work at the Empty Bottle?" And and and, and honestly, like at that time, like. I grew up in the suburbs, like, I didn't have an older brother, like, or sister telling me, like, what was cool, um, or, like, I wasn't, I didn't go downtown in high school, like, I'd go to Grant Park, right, you know, and, like, <laughs> and stuff yeah, like that. B- before the, the, before Chicago, the Bean was like, there. Yeah, I wasn't hanging out in the city right. or anything like that, you know, I just didn't. Um, and so I, I didn't have any scope of, like, the legendary status that the bottle kind of had oh, already wow. at that point, um, just because of how young I was, um, and so I, 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 you know, eventually started working the door and checking IDs and then, you know, sweeping the stage and um, did a internship like credit for school there where I like sit in the office and I had no idea what I was doing and like would just cold like email agents asking for like contracts and stuff right. like that. Um, and I just it was seriously just like fake it till you make it. I was like, you know, like I was learning more there doing that stuff than I did at, you know, uh columbia oh yeah uh as far as like uh um what the music at least the live music industry is um so yeah and then i just kept working mm-hmm. at it kept working at it the production manager like moved to new york and i like was like can i ask to have that job and so i took that job and then after a little while um you know bruce was doing some more projects and expanding um his uh businesses across the city and needed somebody to kind of take on the gm role and so i did that uh, and that led me to uh, being part of the Thalia Hall project once that came up. Um, and uh, that's kind of how I worked my way yeah. up. But the bottle scene, you know, I, w- I didn't know cool bands. Like, you know, the, I, I was uh, talking actually a few weeks ago. I was on um, Alan Epley from uh, Shiner and Life and Times podcast. Oh, badass. Um, What's that called? I don't know. I don't know if you got. Um, it's called uh, uh, Scratch, Scratch Third Gear, which is a Shiner song. Um, and I don't know. Do you have you guys heard that most recent Shiner record? No, I haven't, I haven't actually. No. It, ju- it it just came out this year, so oh, definitely cool. check it out. I think I, I'm always. It's a it's pretty popular word, like Schadenfreude or whatever. However <laughs> yeah. you say that. But, Schadenfreude. Uh, That's will, a second uh, German today. Schadenfreude. Nice. <laughs> Schadenfreude. Exactly. Yeah. See, I messed it up, and I took like four years of German. Um, but anyway, um, my education in non-mainstream let's say instead of what was on the radio let's say what's what uh what's what what was on pitchfork before the radio mm-hmm. became what was on pitchfork right um so we're talking like 2008 maybe 2009 yeah. um and uh my education was from my coworkers. it was from they were all people that had played in bands and had been working at the empty bottle for 10 years already if not more um and yeah i got I got my my stuff checked real quick because I'd be like, you know, probably listening to like Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> like, you know? But then somebody would be like, oh, like instead of like, you know, shaming me for it, like somebody would be like, oh, if you like metal, like check out Yakuza, right. which was like Bruce, Bruce yeah, Lamont's right. band, like, you know. And then so my the, one of the things that I was talking to Alan about was like because I was in production, I wasn't in promotion or anything. I was just like my job to make the shows happen from start to finish. Right. So that's like load in to load out. That's emailing, advancing the bands, getting their their sure. riders and all that stuff ahead of time. And a small budget place like the Empty Bottle, you know, most of those things like you're crossing out, they're not going to get so like. I really had the challenge of like, I had to be friendly. I had to be nice. I had to make sure that even though they like weren't necessarily, you know, going to get, you know, all the things that they wanted that they might be accustomed to because of the way that the show deals were set up, you know, um, which their agent agreed upon by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that, that, that never comes up like day of, you know, you're just the guy who's not giving somebody, you know, s- chips and salsa when like <laughs> they want chips and salsa. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're the, you're the bad guy. Yeah. You're so the you're bad making guy. nice so like the whole time basically. 
Yeah, well, and, you know, if you're not doing that, like, from an earnest place, like, as a oh, musician yeah. who, like, appreciates it, like, at that time, I was playing in a couple bands in the city, and, you know, it, that was the time where it was, I'd have a, a band practice with one band one night, a band pac- practice with another band another night, you know, and you'd kind of go down the, the you'd go around the horn, mm-hmm. right? Like, you'd play Beat Kitchen this month, you'd play The Bottle next yep. month, then you'd play Shubas, Shubas yeah. the next month, and, you know, kind of do that cycle, which was um, just, you know, one of my favorite times and memories, but... um yeah, uh, so I forgot where I was going that's, with that. That's but, what happens. Oh yeah, here. I, I would, I would, I would, I would wait till sound check to really check out a band because there was so much music and so much stuff coming in, and like the promo department would be like listening to like advanced copies of stuff right. and everything like that, and and a lot of a lot of stuff like that d- didn't have the, um, you know, to to my ear at the time like the the shiniest production or, you know, like the overblown out compressed stuff that you hear on, on the radio and the modern sound, right. You know, which is, as you come to learn is, is, is quite a bit manufactured. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would wait till sound check and wait till the show that night to actually like judge a band. And so some of those bands were, you know, whether it's like somebody like Mets or like oh, fuck yeah. even the black lips back in the day, like, you know, I didn't put on black lips records or CDs, like, but I would like, every time they came through, I'd be like, I fucking love this. Right. band. You know, they're a great band. Um, so that's, that's how I, you know, kind of yeah. came up the ranks. What was the, was what was the trend? So when I met you for the first, we, we got to know each other best at Chicago music exchange, but I first met you yeah. when you were at Thalia hall. How did that transition take place? Cause I obviously Bruce, you know, was involved in both. It was it just a matter of you've already been proving yourself at empty bottle and time to take on a bigger role. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I fake quit on him. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm 25 now and I have to go get a real job where I have like insurance and I'm going to try to apply at this marketing right. company with like whatever and he was like i love you i you know uh absolutely i support you but you should come down and uh check out this building that we're thinking of buying and so i did and that ended up being Mm -hmm. dahlia hall and then i was fortunate enough to have him bring me in as an actual um uh like investor in the project and uh, a partner in the project um uh and so that's how i that's how i did that and that was another like trial by fire like fake it till you make it like i've never run a 900 capacity like theater that we restored before right, right, right. <laughs> you know and that's you know that went you know the, the the bottle you know over the years band started bringing more production and stuff like that and showing up in buses and sprinters instead of vans and having tour managers and stuff like that um than it did more so when i was starting um but thalia you know that's like three acts that have buses and tour managers and 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 you know are, uh, that major level, production right yeah. so major production and you know uh without the team uh that we had over there you know uh people doing you know everything you know lights production and yeah that like ethos that i had coming from the bottle i try to you know um have that be the the bar like the standard um for thalia as well too and uh i think we accomplished that because you know there's a new when there's a new venue in town um everybody wants to go play totally. it. that's you know there's a little bit there's a little bit of a honeymoon period um for sure and because we weren't doing local stuff we were doing national right. stuff um uh well mostly i'd say like 98 percent. you know we, we do the occasional like in the round stuff or some local stuff or whatever to fill out the calendar once we got going after a while um but yeah, that was uh, that was a super awesome thing, and you know I did that for the first four or five years that that they were open, and then uh, just straight up had to be like you know I got it. My my son was my was about two. My wife was pregnant with our daughter, and you know it had just been 
nonstop pretty much since I was 21 or so, um, you know, over 10 years, um, just working all day and working mm-hmm. all night. And I, I needed to try to do something else that was going to be a little bit more conducive to uh, having young kids and my wife's a nurse and she was working night shifts and it was just like just to coordinate childcare throughout oh, the yeah. day was insane, you know, and multiple times throughout the day. And um, so, yeah, it was absolutely uh, friendly, still really friendly. I yeah. uh, obviously still want to see that place succeed, um, you know. Um, well, and you, you happen yeah, to transition to, into an, an, another pretty awesome place and that's when we really got to know each other and that's Chicago Music Exchange. Um, yeah. what was, I mean, what was, what was the transition like for that going from running a live music venue to running, you know, what I yeah. think is the coolest guitar store in the world. I also think I it's do a too. Cool guitar yeah, store. Um, that was some parts were natural and obvious and some parts weren't. Um, what I tried to do at, you know, Thalia and empty bottle, which I, you know, how I was brought up there, which was, you know, trying to look at each day, um, as a win or a loss, depending on, um, like how the financials shook out. So like if we can look at every show and do everything we can to make sure that we come out in the black on it. And that includes like how much liquor did we sell and, you know, like everything down to keeping the budget tight as we can while, while still making sure the artists are taken care of. Um, I tried to bring that over to CME in a way which was different because a shop that's open every day, some days are going to be busier than others. Sure. Right? Saturday is going to be jammed. Right. And Tuesday is going to be crickets. Um, Generally speaking, but, um, you know, um, I think in that, in that, in that model, especially from a sales experience and Henry, you can, you can, uh, weigh in on this as well too, since you lived it. Um, you know, sometimes you have a killer sales day and maybe because you did like, you're not, um, the next day you're like, uh, some folks, some people are different, but some might kind of rest on their laurels sure. because they had a killer day the day before, or like, you know, it's like when you hit a benchmark and you know, you hit that benchmark, like, um, it's a natural, totally fine human feeling Coast to a bit. be like, Oh, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I can chill tomorrow. Like, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, I just mean like, Oh, like I don't have to make maybe like hunt as mm-hmm. hard today. Right. Um, but, um, in the music side, you can't really do that. Like you, you'd have to really look at each day and be like, "Is was this show a win?" And right. then you'd look at each week and be like, "Okay, we had five shows that were in the black for the day." And then, or like we had a really bad week and like we lost money on every single show this week. You know, and okay, so what do we need to do differently? We need to market different. We need to you know cut expenses yep. here, like moving forward in those types of situations. So um, it was some of those things were really natural, and some of those things were quite a challenge. You know, I didn't know anybody there, so I came into managing, helping manage team that nobody knew who I was except for a couple a couple friends that I had made there just from being a client there um and so yeah it was a different it was a change of pace for sure um but it was a it was a fun challenge and a lot of a lot it was a nice change of pace and just a really great group of group of people and and you know still I think the common denominator was working with musicians Mm -hmm. at heart right um you know in the same way that at on the venue side I'm not necessarily working with folks that set out to um do something professionally but they ended up doing it because they're really good at it and i think that can kind of translate on the selling instrument side as well too you know like um you you get into it because you're no no one sells guitars because they you know like like you know baking bread instead of (laughs) right right. you you don't you don't you can't do it if you're not passionate about it absolutely yeah exactly well and i can say that you know having having worked for you you did 
ultimately foster that environment whether or not it was right for everybody at, at whatever time in their life that's a different story but it was a cool place to be so i can't say that um also you're i don't work for you anymore so you can go fuck yourself too so there, there's also that <laughs> yeah uh, well I, and also i don't i don't want to anymore, <laughs> right? so. yeah so fuck you could it. you could say whatever you want uh, no i i mean i look at it very fondly and and i and our time together very fondly but i want to ask so okay so we've already talked about empty bottle and 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 thalia and cme and and you know by nature you're just going to be around like super fucking famous musicians a lot and stuff and 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 i'll say that one of the things that we we actively try to avoid in the show is star fuckery of any sort Uh, that said (laughs) was did you has there been anybody from any of those places that where you were just like so fucking starstruck that you couldn't you couldn't contain yourself you just like were were you, you you were you were surprised at your reaction um you know there, this is going to come off like one of those stories, um, but I have to give it to this person um, because of how amazing of a person they mm-hmm. were. Um, and my reaction, which should have been, uh, maybe it was the first five minutes I met them, but beyond that, it was like I didn't have, I didn't freeze and to have that like kind of right. starstruck reaction. Um, there's two people. One was Billy Corgan. Mm-hmm. Um, who I'd never met before, but, you know, somebody who had, you know, Siamese Dream oh, yeah, like, on repeat and, like, you know, like, etched, like, the Smashing Pumpkins logo and had my, I had my way too big, like, zero shirt yep. that I got from Colts, <laughs> you know, that was probably, like, uh, probably, like, off-brand, you know, it had, it had like, the logo on the yep. side and I was like, well, it's not, his doesn't have the logo <laughs> on the side, his just says zero. My mom's like, listen, you got that shirt. <laughs> yeah. okay. um, That's great. They, he called, the first Thanksgiving that we were open at Thalia Hall, we opened in May, 2014 he called um uh like a few days before thanksgiving and was like hey i have a new band well it's the smashing pumpkins but i have put together a new band it was with brad wilk from rage against the machine and the bass player from the killers oh um uh he i don't know i don't think it lasted i think he was they maybe just did like a tour Mm -hmm. and he just you know and then uh jeff schroeder who's been his like guitar Mm -hmm. player uh for a long time uh was playing with him as well um, and the, he called and was like, normally I would probably do this at the Metro. It didn't call me, but he, his yeah. agent called our, uh, our booker. Um, uh, and he was like, um, I normally would probably do this at the Metro, but you guys are brand new. Let's, let's do a surprise, you know, like one day notice smashing pumpkin cool. show. Um, which was That's like, gnarly. holy shit. Awesome. Okay, cool. And, uh, Billy was really, really kind. Um, and, uh, really, really perfectly on on point gear story so thalia is a building that was finished in 1892 it's super fucking old we it was dormant since the 60s we had had a handful of shows not a ton because we opened in may and when you open a brand new room like you're not sure when construction is going to be done so like you can't fill out the calendar every single day right because what if like things get delayed or whatever um i mean i I just remember just being up all night like leading up to the main opening being like we're not like (laughs) are we even (laughs) you know um and so they were doing their sound check and this was when um Actually, shout out to uh, to Billy and, and Carstens. Brian Carstens um, just put out a signature uh, the amp with him. I don't know if you oh, guys yeah, have we, seen Oh, yeah, we've talked about it. It's fucking awesome. Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, Brian does amazing work. Um, and uh, at this point, this is well before that, Billy was playing. Uh, he had a couple racks on stage, and he had these amp modules. Um, the Randall switching modules, uh, yep. 
Yes, exactly. Um, and so he had probably 20 of them and, you know, it was like the verse in mayonnaise was one amp and, yep. you know, then the chorus in bullet, bullet with butterfly wings was a different amp. Right. And, uh, um, totally something that I would do if somebody would put it together for me. Um, oh, it's <laughs> badass. I'm, I'm like, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to put that together myself. Anyway, as you can imagine in a really, really old building that, you know, had only had a few months of really having, a, you know, not not, we hadn't had like the full like gamut of everybody from like um you know steve earl playing acoustic solo to sleep yeah right yeah right. like um so like the room still had some electronic quirks and like frequency stuff that like we hadn't found out yet and so uh billy was so funny he uh i asked him i just you know i, I didn't want to bother him you know um but i just said hey how are you thank you much, so much for being here like you know it's a real honor and he's like, yeah. And he's like, it sounds cool. Room room looks great. Um, you know, you're gonna want to work out um, this frequency. He like pointed up at one area of the <laughs> ceiling, you know, uh, because he was getting like a buzz. And we ended up, you know, eventually like, you know, if somebody was playing a single coil guitar, like we had humdebuggers, right. like a dra- a, dr- a drawer full of them, just to be like, yeah, you know, this building's 125 years old. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not the cleanest yep. power of all time, you know even though we put in new power and everything like that. It's just the nature right. of things. And so Billy was really funny. He just pointed up at the ceiling and talked about some <laughs> frequency. And then in my head, I'm just looking back at his rack of like 20 different amp modules and like all these different things. I'm like, yeah, it's totally yeah, the building. Totally the building. Totally building. Totally all, this, that. all this stuff that you have. <laughs> yes, sir. Whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one was Dave Chappelle. In keeping with the Thanksgiving trans- tra- uh, tradition, the following year, Dave Chappelle called or his people got in touch with us and was like, Dave's coming back out of hiding. This was his first time back, like out of, oh, wow. like, and I don't want to say coming back. I don't want to say coming back. Out well, of he hiding. did. He yeah. Hiding, he, but he, he, he ducked out for he a He took a step did, away yeah. for a long time. He, yeah. He ducked out, um, which is, you know, a great, uh, there's great stories that he has with that and the reasons that he did that as well mm-hmm. too. Um, so it ended up being two weeks straight, two shows a night. Um, uh, Dave filming, what ended up being he didn't end up using it but what ended up being the material and kind of his like warm-up for his first netflix special oh wow no kidding um around that time and uh dave was so nice and uh like literally hung out all day like he hung out all night in the green room like he had uh on his rider like have only red lights in the green room uh and he walked in and I had done that. I switched out every single cool. light bulb in the green room, which was like apartment size. Yeah. Like, you know, it was like the back of a storefront and there was two two or three different rooms and a couple bathrooms and everything like that. And uh, he's like, wow. I was like, so I'm like, everything okay? And he's like, yeah. He's like, just all the lights are red. I was like, oh yeah, I saw that in there. He's like, man, he's like, most motherfuckers don't oh, do that. He's like, cool. I only put that in there because because Prince would have purple in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Wow, that's awesome, man. And... Uh, Anyway, yeah, he would hang out every night. Uh, like he would like walk into the, the the first floor bar, you know, after the show, and like he would just sit there, and people would be like, "Oh my god!" Like he's just sitting there, you know, and uh, <laughs> talking. So fast forward a month, I'll wrap the story up. But fast forward a month after the run of shows, you know, it was pretty high stakes. It was really intense work for a few weeks because it was fun, but like it wasn't like I was sitting there watching the no, show, right? You know, You're it was yeah. like they were filming this, you know, arguably one of the most famous comedians of of several generations now um is you know coming back and 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 he's he's you know he's on his game and you know just people are it was just like people were ecstatic and but also too we we took people's cell phones right with those because uh, he didn't want anybody he did he didn't want anybody filming um the material yeah working it out exactly so we 
found this company that like you know like almost like a when you're at the um department store the clothing store and they have those little like ink things that like you know it doesn't let you take the jeans or whatever on yeah. them right without setting off a sensor um so we had these they had this bag and everybody walked in and this was two shows a night so keep in mind like 1200 people a night 600 people in do this show get 600 people out get 600 more people in take all their phones give them all their back their phones right. like my god Jesus like Christ. talking about like you know like a production nightmare but but making it happen was amazing yeah. um so i didn't I didn't watch the show. I mean, I, I would like see snippets of it, and and I'm, you I couldn't just, dial I told into my wife. It, I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna leave my. I'm gonna. I, I'm like, I'm gonna basically live at work. And at that time, we were living in Pilsen, like four blocks away. So at least I didn't have to go mm-hmm. far to like get to my own bed. Didn't have kids yet, so that was cool. Um, but um, so, anyways, a month or so later, Dave's manager. Um, like texted me and was like hey we're gonna be in milwaukee if you guys want to come up for the show like i know you and your crew like we're so busy working and i was like yeah so we went up to the paps theater and you know i texted him after the show and we watched it and it was a lot of the same material but it was hilarious we were dying um uh he was still workshopping some stuff and uh and so i texted him after the show and i said um hey uh thanks so much like we're gonna take off head back to chicago and he's like no 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 like dave wants you guys to come backstage and we're like really okay so we come back come backstage and Dave's down there and there's some other people down there that I don't even remember like you know uh hanging mm-hmm. out that I was like oh it's that person from that show and everything right. like that you know and uh I walk up to him like hey Dave great show like not sure if you remember like we're from the Thalia Hall crew or whatever you know thanks so much for for you know having us out to the show it was great and he's like hello Peter and I was like <laughs> oh whoa <laughs> I was like, okay. he's like hello Peter would you like some of my marijuana <laughs> <laughs> yes sir I would <laughs> So, anyways, I'll leave out the uh, rest of the uh, most of the rest of the story. But needless to say, I had to call my boss the next day. Wait, we woke up in a hotel room, um, and I had to call my boss the next day and say, "Hey, we're not gonna make it to the staff meeting because <laughs> yeah. we're still in we're still in the, we're still in Milwaukee because literally we spent the night with Dave, his manager, and like two of his friends, and like maybe four of us from no the crew, literally going and going on knocking on bars that were closed. Oh my god, in Milwaukee. And opening the door and seeing Dave Chappelle and him saying, "Hey, can we come in and have a drink?" Dude. And so we would. We were just sitting there all night long. That's so and, fucking uh, cool. He, he is. Uh, he's yeah. He, uh, that's God. That, that, long is, that is a hell Chappelle of a story. story right he, there. Is, he is. Uh, he is. He's a. He's a legend at his craft. Yeah. But uh, I mean, and it makes me so happy a, to hear. Absolutely incredible. That's person. the thing. Yeah. I mean, you. You know, obviously. You get a certain level of fame, notoriety. Some people it goes to their heads, but anytime you hear a story about Dave Chappelle, and now here we have firsthand that he's just he's a legit, down to earth dude. So that's so thanks awesome, for man. thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, I um, love that, dude. Dude, we I mean we we've been covering a lot, but we still haven't really touched on the most recent thing here, <laughs> which um, I would love to talk about just for a little bit, and that is the venture yeah. that you were working on with I believe was it episode sixteen guest of the show. I yeah. can't remember the show had a different fucking name at that point. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Um, Are you sure it wasn't? Gearbox? Uh, oh, it, it was, was Gear, gear, it was gear Hunks at that gear point. Hunks. Uh, <laughs> gear Hunks. That's right. I the name was fine. I love Gear. It's hunks. fine, but it was a little, it was a little limiting. I found with Dave and I. I got you. I got you. Um, but anyway, so uh, you're working on this new venture called Black Bobbin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about about that? Like, what is Black Bobbin? I mean, our listeners know we've talked about it a lot, but just in case, why don't you tell them what Black Bobbin is and kind of what you're doing uh, with it these days? 
Yeah, and I, I, I did I did forewarn you. I was like, you know, Shelby's really the guy to talk yeah, about that. He's the founder, and it's yeah. his brainchild. But Shelby doesn't have Dave Chappelle's story. Exactly, so and he was already on. So when yeah. once we like once we start hitting the oh, bottom right. of the barrel, we'll get him back on. He was already yeah, on. Yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to shame him for not having cool Dave Chappelle stories. <laughs> you should tell him that every time you see him. <laughs> I he's my we are the only people that we see because yeah. it's like during this pandemic, it's like man, he's in your bubble. Yeah, yeah. he he. His son's going to be one in a few weeks, and so at least over the summer, like, he would just come over, and we'd sit in the front yard, and the kids would play and, you know, kind of work on stuff. And so, yeah, anyways, um, Black Bobbin is um, Shelby Pollard's company that he founded earlier this year, um, and the uh, the long and short of it is a, um, a music... Uh, um, a music uh, gear and uh, community themed uh, company that right now, you know, exists on the internet. Um, eventually there will be uh, a brick and mortar location. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we got to wait and see how this pandemic turns out for that. Um, and that's really where um, he approached me about um, being involved, um, you know, knowing my hospitality background and my roots as kind of like, you know, um, I like to I like to welcome people into a space, whether that's a guitar store or that's a music venue or whatever that is. You know, I think that's uh, the thing that I like doing the most is providing an experience and a and a friendly environment for people to just hang out in. Um, so uh, he had this idea. Uh, he had left CME and was working at a different gig that um, it was kind of you know he was really building out a lot of aspects of their operation and he kind of just had this uh light bulb go off that was like maybe i'll just build out like my own operation Mm -hmm. um and so he started and uh you know reaching out to companies like old blood noise endeavors and um benson amps um and obviously he's got so many friends at fender and you know uh string companies like string joy and gabriel tenorio Ooh, and those um, loller uh, pickups that just came out too oh, and yeah. the lollers that just dropped yeah and you know he you know shelby's a, a a people person as well and and those relationships that he fostered over the years with his time at chicago music exchange um transcend you know where he totally. works uh for sure um and so uh it started with an idea of you know uh, he has a friend, uh, Gene, who is one of the owners of Gallery Cafe. Um, they have two locations in Chicago. Um, you know, Shelby's um, uh, dream for his brick and mortar uh, is that it'll, you know, be kind of a little guitar cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's that coffee tie-in. So he was like, hey, you know, he hit up his friend Gene, who had a blend, who was like, hey, this could be your exclusive blend. And so he started a coffee subscription. Uh, and then what followed after that was, you know, an exclusive, exclusive uh, uh, run of a color set with black, uh, sorry, with Old Blood Noise Endeavors for their Black Fountain uh, V3. Um, that, sh- that, Chica- that Chicago oh. uh, Chicago uh, paint, what is it, it's like Chicago yeah, paint, I, paint I believe? Yeah, yeah. Um, Chicago yeah. blue. Um and then that, you know, he just uh, really just, you know, started reaching out to his friends and say, hey, let's do cool stuff that hopefully other pe- people think will be cool stuff. Um, you know, instead of the traditional kind of like music retail model where you buy a bunch of things and then market it a bunch to hopefully move it. And then if you move it, that's great. But if you don't, you have to mark it down and, you know, kind of see what sticks and see mm-hmm. what doesn't. Um he had the idea to uh, do these kind of like batches. And so like develop a product and throw it up for a pre-order. And then based on how many um, people pre-order it, like just fulfill that order and maybe a little bit 
and maybe a few extra, you know, to send to artists or use ourselves or, you know, have for backup in case we want to bring it back. Um, so, so far, I mean, this was in August, which feels like a million years ago, but really was only a little bit of time ago. So far, you know, he's been able to uh, parlay that into um, something that has been successful uh, in the terms of, you know, people like the stuff that he comes up with with uh, his collaborators. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and the collaborations have, have been have been clutch and, and only with with amazing uh, makers and artists and such. In fact, now I think about it also, the, I believe you can actually buy a Balthazar Cabaret 13, um, which I got to Absolutely. help uh, work on, on that right. amp with him. Yeah, you did. Um, That's right. And I'm pretty that. sure you can buy that via via the old Black Bobbin. So where do people, like, if you want to get a coffee subscription, which, by the way, Shelby, if you're listening to this and you should be, um, you owe me some coffee. <laughs> uh, but anyways, if you if somebody, if anybody oh else God. wants to, to get some coffee and do all that sort of stuff, where, where do you send them? Um, what's, is it just, are you going to the website instagram how you worry some yeah, people it's the website we are working out of our houses yeah. right now so blackbobbin.com i mean also you know one of the benefits of a pandemic right like um i mean there's very few i, I obviously would take it back <laughs> i don't right. i don't want a pandemic happening and all these you know people suffering of course not but um being able to kind of launch something at our pace mm-hmm. um and and really take take time to say hey Let's let's put everything behind this launch and um, you know see how it does and really you know a lot of the times uh, the folks that we're partnering with when you talk about big box retailers which is not a bad thing it's just the nature of a big box retailer like Henry you know this like they have to move millions and millions in Fender and Gibson to make the world right. go round that's just the nature of it and it you know maybe they put some marketing towards you know um, smaller companies and stuff like that but also too like you know. They're just not going to get the attention. Um, and like I said, that's not like necessarily like a, a, a vindictive situation. It's, it's just, just reality. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. It's just reality. Yeah. You've like, got your Fender Gibson. You've got your Korg Marshall Vox, maybe like Boss yeah, Roland. Exactly. And then and then it's everybody else. And, and how do you and how do you right. figure out how to compete with these larger, you know, monoliths that there's nothing wrong with them being who they are, but they have the marketing budgets that nobody else does. And it right. sounds like. Black Bobbin is kind of touching on something that allows people who make products every bit as high quality or oftentimes higher quality than those, but don't have a a channel to get their product out there in in a unique way. Black Bobbin seems like a pretty fucking rad way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, hats off to Shelby in that, you know, he, his, his, you know, mentality and his sort of like ethos and, 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 uh, fabric from the start has been like, I'm not trying to tell you know old blood noise like how to make a better delay pedal i'm not trying to tell chris benson how to make you know a a better drive a better preamp preamp pedal i am saying you guys are the experts this is great let's do a collaboration in some way that we can help get this out and we can both you know benefit mutually from it and i'm super stoked for it and and a big supporter and anytime you guys Put out something new. I will be sure that yeah. our listeners uh, get to know about it yeah. because well, we 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 appreciate it, and you know us basically staying at the front forefront of people's minds, uh, and then you know really just comes down to I think people trusting you know us in that we we're not going to put something out there and not we're not going to collaborate with a with a with a with a company or a group of folks that we don't believe right. Um, and so hopefully, you know, everyone's, you know, satisfied and excited as, as we are about this stuff, because ultimately it's coming from a place that we're stuff that we're excited about. 
Um, and then, you know, fast forward to the year 2023 or whenever we can, yep. like hopefully you guys can come drink some beer Dude, and coffee great. in our small, li- in our small little shop. Play right? some jazz masters. Hell yeah, man. Pete, thank you yeah. so much, man. This has yeah, been dude. an awesome conversation. For thank you so much for being so open and honest and fucking hilarious. And and um, again, for everybody <laughs> who hasn't um, gone already, go to blackbobbin.com. Um, Pete, you're the man. Let's hang out as soon as that's possible. Yeah, dude. I love to. Thank you guys. The best. Thank you guys oh, so much. Oh, for before I let and... you go, sorry. This is I have to do this. Yeah. Um, anybody that's taller than me I, and is on the show, I have to. Are you taller? Th- I know you're taller. I don't than me. think so, dude. I don't know. Well, it depends if it depends if we have pumpkin. If we have, how, how tall the <laughs> hair is? How tall is the hair? Yeah. Regardless, I'm a I'm a I'm a, a solid six three and a half. But re- either way, I'm trying to start a band with only people that are my height or taller than me. So, <laughs> will you be in Tall Boys? Yeah, I'm obviously going to okay. be in Tall Boys. Yeah, oh, we've it. got like yeah. we've got like five you, guitar players, so I might have to make you play drums or bass or something. I love playing bass and I love playing drums. Does, Although I I uh, I am not that capable of a drummer, I'm capable of playing drum parts that I write myself. What more could I ask for? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I love to. Um, let's start sending stuff back. Beautiful. And forth. Beautiful. Thank you again so much for being on, dude. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you man. guys. Absolute pleasure. Everybody listening, support these guys and support what they do, and uh, think about what record you would erase from history <laughs> and how you would had. Had ba- how bad you would fuck that up. <laughs> uh, love you, boys. Thanks, man.